we are in a short series on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. We're taught, we've been talking about his broad work. What's he do in the life of every believer and in every church? We've been talking about just our, just the, just what our heart disposition should be of just eagerness and expectation of the good gift of the Spirit in our lives. What's it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit and how we should seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit and that the Spirit of God is that the same power that rose Christ from the dead is now living in us. And this week we're going to talk about the spiritual gifts out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And, I, and I, let me just say this, I think often this topic can end up similar to the way it, many of my Friday nights in high school ended up. And then it can be, we, we have debates about which of the gifts are still around, right? Is, is prophecy still there? And how, what's it mean? You know, how, how are tongues used in church? And what is that? And, and how does one discover spiritual gifts and, and different, you know, philosophies on that? And do we have one gift or multiple gifts? And are all the gifts listed in the New Testament? Are they still around today? And, and there, there's really good things to talk about. And they're certainly good in all this. But I think oftentimes the effect is really good things are talked about but the gifts don't get more deployed. Or the, or, or the theology and the questions are talked about, but we don't actually see more gifts operating in our midst. And I think it can turn out similar to how many of my Friday nights did, but only with this has far more significance because it's one thing for me to waste a weekend, and it's another for us not to deploy the good gifts God has given us. And so the goal of this morning, we do want to, answer questions we want to go through and ask questions about the spiritual gifts but our goal is not just to sort of have questions answered but that as we see the purpose of the gifts that as we see that as we see the good giver of the gifts that in our midst we would see more gifts de- de- deployed that we'd talk that that as we we'd walk more in the gifts as we that we have been given by our generous god so in first corinthians chapter 12 we're going to look at a few other verses this morning, but this is going to be our main text this morning. And this is really what we're going to do. It's not a strict teaching of this text, but we want to use this passage to just kind of help guide our conversation, sort of guide some of the, the, the questions that we're going to ask about spiritual gifts. In the second half, you're probably aware, in the, in, the, in the second half of 1 Corinthians, Paul is addressing different questions that the church had written to him. So in the first half of the book, he's giving general instruction. But the second half of 1 Corinthians is the church had written him questions about things that were going on in the church, and he is, he is writing to answer those questions. And in this church, spiritual gifts were causing a lot of confusion and a lot of division. Spiritual gifts were being used to glorify individuals, and so there was just a lot of questions that abounded. And Paul writes with just absolute clarity. And he serves us well. So I'm gonna, we're going to read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you're able, I'm going to ask if you could stand. This is a, a lengthy passage that we're going to read. And we, if you're visiting with us, we stand just to show our reverence and our, our respect for God's words. We're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. 
and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to, to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by, by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as, verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or frees, free, and we're, all were made to drink of one spirit. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? Where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with great, greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are all part of the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up to my, my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Well, you may be seated. So again, the Corinthian church had written Paul and asked about spiritual gifts. So we don't know the exact questions they asked, but we, can, we know from context and the way that he really corrects them often in these three chapters that th there was confusion amongst the gifts, that gifts were causing division. And so in chapters 12 through 14, he is writing with instructions on the spiritual gifts. So chapter 12 we'll, we'll address in just a little bit, but chapter 13 is the famous chapter on love, right? So love, the chapter love is patient, love is kind, right? There's an 80% chance that that was read at the last wedding you were at. Even, even non-Christians really like that chapter, right? So 
We're not going to preach on chapter 13 outside of the first few verses, but to note, it's in a section between chapter 12 and chapter 14. So chapter 12 is 30 verses. Chapter 14 is 40 more verses on the gifts of the Spirit. And just to note that the passage on love and the beauty of love and the focus, the other focus of love is in the middle of the section on gifts because love should govern how we use the gifts and how we view them. Love is what transforms what God has entrusted to you, not to glorify you, but to build up others around you in your community. And in a world, of, in a world just saturated in ego and excess, God's love should govern how and why we use what he's given to us. And in chapter 14, it talks of two gifts primarily. It talks about primarily of, of tongues and prophecy. We're going to be talking about those gifts the next two weeks, the next two Sundays. But in chapter 12, he talks more broadly about spiritual gifts. So that's what we're going to be looking at this morning is, is more broadly just spiritual gifts in general. And we're going to approach it a little different than we would most passages or, or most most sermons, I just want to ask a series of questions about spiritual gifts and allow this text and, other, and others to inform how we think about them. So, so nine questions we're going to ask, and if you're thinking, okay, nine questions, Adam's going to go on for nine hours, um, maybe, um, but uh, no, I won't, uh, but nine questions that hopefully not just clarify our thinking of spiritual gifts, but help us think, how do we, how do we deploy gifts in our own life? What's it look like to deploy gifts more in this church? So nine questions, again, that won't cover every, everything, but I hope can be a helpful start. So question one is this. What are spiritual gifts? What are spiritual gifts? Wayne Grudem says a spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. Thomas Schreiner writes, Spiritual gifts are gifts of grace granted by the Holy Spirit, which are designed for the edification of the church. Now, there's some differences in these definitions, but I think they're both hitting the, the same theme, right? The same idea that spiritual gifts are abilities that are empowered by the Holy Spirit with the intention of, of building up the church, right? And we see this, right, kind of throughout verses 4 through 6, that there's just all these gifts. There's a variety of gifts, but there's one giver. There's lots of activity, but one spirit empowering them all. And then in verse 12, it talks about because we're all part of one body. All these things, all these activities, all this stuff happening is for the building up of the body of Christ. And so the entire argument is that, that they're making is that these gifts are to be used, yeah, it, certainly other contexts in life, but are to be used in the church, that it's to build up the church, that they're needed in the church. And that, that is God's good design, that we don't all have the same gifts, right? That, but we need different gifts to, to, to build up the church and what God is doing, to help, to help us grow in maturity, to help us be on mission. There's just a variety of gifts that are needed in the life of the church. So the way he would describe spiritual gifts is not just, okay, prophecy or, or things that are just so overtly supernatural that there's no other explanation, but, but just any gift that you have that God has given you to be used in the service of his church are spiritual gifts. So, question two, what are the spiritual gifts? So, not actually asking the same question. So, sort of, question one is, what, what are spiritual gifts as a category? But then, what are specific spiritual gifts, right? So, meaning, if I said, you know, what is a bird? I would talk about, you know, an animal that, 
lays eggs and has feathers and flies, and there's probably a scientific definition beyond that. But right, so there's there's birds of a category, but then there's specific birds, right? There's eagle and cardinals and blue jays and orioles, right? There's birds that swim, there's birds that fly, there's birds that lose to the steelers, right? There's all these category of birds, and there's yeah. No, I hear the applause. Um, Sadly, that the list that are losing to the Steelers is not very long, so we'll, uh, we'll move on. But right, there's the category of, of gifts, and then there's specific gifts. So what are the, spe- I'm sorry, the specific spiritual gifts? Well, multiple places in the New Testament we see them listed. But just to cover some, we have the passage here. 1 Corinthians 12, we have apostle, prophet, teacher, miracles, healing, helps, administration, tongues, interpretation, Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, prophecy, distinguishing between the spirits. Ephesians 4.11, we have apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Romans 12, 12, verses 6 through 8, we have prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, contributing, leadership, mercy. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 says marriage and celibacy are gifts. In 1 Peter chapter 4, it really just gives these, 1 Peter chapter 4.11, it really just gives category when it says whoever speaks... So basically, whoever has a speaking gift and whoever serves, whoever has a serving gift, basically Peter is saying, whether you use your gifts to speak words or to serve, which is just covering a lot of ground, use them for the glory of Jesus. Now, I, I, I read these and go through these quickly, not to try to gloss over them, but to kind of note something. I, there's some overlap in these lists, but no list is identical. No list seems comprehensive or attempting to be comprehensive. I mean, what I think Scripture is doing is this, is, is that it's saying, okay, spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts like prophecy and like hospitality, like tongues, like a word of knowledge. There's just this long list of gifts we could give, but it's not trying to say, okay, spiritual gifts, this is the, the, the be-all, end-all list. There are no more ever given to the church. Right? It would have been easy if there, was, if there was just 25 lists for all time. It would have been easy for Paul or any of the writers to be like, all right, here, here's the spiritual gifts. This is, this is the exhaustive list. But rather, I think each of these passages is just pointing out examples of gifts, not an exhaustive listing of gifts for all time. And so as we think about specific spiritual gifts, what do we see? We see diversity of the gifts, but we, we see one giver. And so we see, listen, n- n- if we'd each been given all the gifts, we wouldn't need each other. So certainly God designed us so that we need each other. But beyond that, he designed sort of the needs of each church differently. Like each church's needs are different. So he didn't design, okay, every church needs 20% of people to be, hospi- you know, their, their gift is hospitality. 15% need to be teachers. That's not how he built the church because every church in every age with the mission towards their specific community would need to be different. And each season of of the church would be different. And God raises up different gifts in different seasons of the same church to bring that church into maturity and onto mission. And so he's giving gifts necessary to what he is building. So I hope we can all look back at our own history and think, man, wasn't it great what God was doing then to meet us then and to propel us forward into mission then? Isn't it cool what he raised up and what he gave the church then? 
But I hope equally we can look and say, and isn't it great what he's giving us now and how he's propelling us forward now, the gifts he is giving this church in this season right now to mature us and to move us into mission. So there's a variety of gifts. I don't think we see an exhaustive listing of gifts, and each Christian will look different. Each church in each age and every community will look different. But again, a spiritual gift is any ability empowered by the Holy Spirit for service in His church. So, next question is this. Are all the gifts we see still for today? We've already addressed this a few times in our series, so I won't spend a long time on it this, this morning. But just to note, in case you haven't been here each week, or if you're new, or, you know, whatever, just, just to note, we, we believe, our statement of faith says, and we believe as a church that all the gifts we see outlined in the New Testament are still in operation today, that none of the gifts have ceased. So all that he mentions as we, as we read through this are, are still around. If you have questions about that, certainly we can ask at the family meeting. You can talk to me. We can encourage you to listen to some of the earlier messages where we address that. But, but I also I think it's worth noting that not every gift is given in equal measure in every age. So are certain gifts given more as the church breaks new ground around the globe? I believe so. Are, are certain gifts given to believers in China serving in the underground church that we prayed for last week with her needs than are given today with our needs? I believe so. I, I think we, we'll see a greater intensity of gifts in different areas and in different ages. But it doesn't mean they have ceased just because we see, because we see less intensity of, of a gifting in one place in one time. But rather we see all the gifts still in operation as God continues to build His church. Okay, next question. What attitude should govern our use of the gifts? What attitude should govern our use of the gifts? I think this is where our passage is so helpful. I think this is really the, the heart of what Paul is addressing in this passage. is not just trying to define a spiritual gift, but really say, this is... This is how they're meant to work. This is the attitude that we should have as believers as we think about the gifts. So in verses 12 through 26, he notes that all the gifts are necessary and that you don't have all the gifts, meaning not only are the gifts necessary, that we need each other. So, so, the, so all the gifts are necessary. We need each other, so we need one another in the life of the church. And that there's no room for viewing our gift with any sense of superiority. That, there, that, that there's a unity because God loves us all, not because, oh boy, the ones who have the greater degree of gifting are loved more by God. Or the ones who have sort of what we consider, you know, the coolest of gifts or the most exciting of gifts. Those are the ones God really loves in a particular way. We, we don't see any, anything like that here. In fact, we see him correcting that attitude. Chapter 13, where, where, we, where we ended our reading, talks about if I have words that, I mean, words that are eloquent, eloquent beyond compare. Basically, if I'm, the, if I'm the greatest speaker in the history of Christendom, and I can just spin it, you know, I can just turn a phrase like nobody else, but he says, if I, but if I don't have love, it, it's not just, okay, you got an A for the gift level, you got a D for execution. It's, it's basically, I'm, I'm nothing. There's, there's, there's no value to that at all. If I could move mountains with my faith but have no love, like it's just, it's just useless. Gifts are to be used in love 
in service to others. So the gifts are, are not about us. They are not to point to us. They are not to make much of us. But are, the gifts of the Spirit are resources to love others with. It's to love others with those Christ, those Christ has, has given us in our community, the, the community of people that Christ has died for. Our gifts are, are to be used to help them mature and to see Him, and to be able to meet together, and to maybe in some ways show something that we, that, we, that we believe, to be able to bring unity, to bring healing in some way. These are the, why He is given the gifts of the Spirit, is to help these people do that. They are to build up the body of Christ. And so, how dare anyone think of the superiority of, of their particular gift, or the inferiority of their particular gift? There's no room for self-pity and like, well, I, you know, on my own personal ranking, I view my gift lower than that gift, so I'm just going to sort of have, like, what's the point? There's, there's no room for that either. Our gifts, our, our, our attitude should be that we need the gifts, we need each other. Now, listen, I, I'm aware that there have been people in this room that have been negatively affected because they have experienced churches or Christians where the gifts were not seemingly used with love. Maybe they've been in influenced by a preacher who, who really seemed to have a, a gift of preaching, but it was really to make much of him, not to help, not to help equip the saints for the work of ministry. And, and I would say, uh, I think according to 1 Corinthians 13, it's not just ineffective, I actually think that tears down the church. So I know that there's probably people here who have had been negatively impacted in their own life or who have seen sort of gifted people on television you know using certainly very clear and demonstrable gifts but it hasn't seemed to be used in a way to build up the church or to build up others and i just say if that's you in some way i would just appeal to you not to let that obscure your view of god's design or to think that that's that's the norm in the church of christ because so I believe what, what's more normal is that God's Spirit pours into God's people so that His love can influence how they use their gifts. So our attitude should be we need the gifts, we need each other. We are, as, as we think of the spiritual gifts, we, we, should say we, we, we can't be on mission alone, that we need everyone here. So there should be just a, an attitude of humility, not superiority. In fact, I, I think to par paraphrase Paul's attitude, I would say, how dare I think of myself as superior? So our gifts should be done in love and in service and in building up of the body of Christ. And so there's no room for arrogance when it comes to the gift. There's no room for directing a spotlight on ourselves when it comes to the gifts. Absolutely none. And in fact, it, we should rejoice when others are gifted because it builds us all up. It sends us all on mission and we should see how needy we are for one another. Next question. I should have numbered them because I don't know what number I'm on. But um, Does giftedness equal godliness? Does giftedness equal godliness? Short answer is no. Um, to extend on that just a little longer. Here, we don't see any connection between the, the most gifted is because they were the most godly. We don't see that connection anywhere in the New Testament. And, and you can probably relate to that. As I think of the godliest people who I have known and the people who have had the most 
significant impact on just my own personal life and following the Lord. I think some have had very extraordinary gifts and have been public, but most have served very much behind the scenes, faithfully serving God and His people to very little acclaim because they have been working for something better than human acclaim. And they will receive the well done from the only one who it really matters to get it from. Now, I don't believe that this church is particularly tempted in this area, but I do want to mention it because we are a church living in 21st century America, where sadly to say the church broadly, I think, has often followed the cues of culture and given the loudest voices to those who have sort of the biggest of gifts. And I just want to say, the, the, the biggest of gifts does not equal the greatest of character. So if one is an eloquent preacher, if one can sing and play beautifully, amen, may God be, magnifi- may God be magnified, may the church be built through those gifts. I think we just all need to be careful not to look at a gift and then, see, and then give an outsized influence in our lives or subtly equate giftedness for godliness. And just recognize that many churches have followed eloquent and gifted men. Men who in hindsight seem to watch their gifts but not their life and their doctrine as Paul commended to Timothy. And so it just may never be so with any any of us. May we just recognize that the values that make one TikTok famous are not the values that Christ builds his church with. Okay, next. Does everyone have a spiritual gift? Does everyone have a spiritual gift? So no, I think one can agree with all this on spiritual gifts and think, yeah, I'd love to see more gifts stirred up and more, more operation in the church, but think, but I don't think I really have any. Or mine barely counts. You know, mine's, mine's so low on the totem pole of gifts that kind of what's the point? But I'd say not only, this isn't the only passage that addresses this, by the way, but this one does quite clearly. So verse 7 notes, to each is given a manifestation of the Spirit. Verse 11 says the Spirit apportions to each individually. To simply say this, if you have received Christ, you have been baptized into a Spirit, you have spiritual gifts. You, you do. And so we should view our, our gifts with humility. We should not view it as, sort of an, as an opportunity to sort of heap praise onto ourselves. We, we need to recognize that we need others. So, so we, we need to just recognize, listen, all, all the stuff we just said, that it's not about how, how dramatic and how you know, obvious our gifts are, but I also want to recognize it's not humility to downplay or minimize the gifts he's given. It's not humility to think, well, I'm, you know, I'm probably the, you know, I'm the forgotten. I'm just the last one. You know, God probably just bypassed me. He doesn't really need me here. But God has designed you to be in a body with your gifts because the body needs the gifts and the body needs you using your gifts. And I just want to say, Living Hope Church needs you serving in your gifts. That is His design. And so there are no ungifted Christians. God did not design that any of us would be left out of His mission of maturing and multiplying followers of Jesus. Okay, so how do I discover Next question is, how do I discover my spiritual gifts? Let me just say, I, I don't know of a formula. I don't think this is like a math equation that we can just sort of put into things and we, you know, we get an answer spit out. 
I do know, you're probably all aware of this, like, right, you can, you can talk to somebody for five minutes and interact with them, and it's just obvious, man, like what gifts they have and just, it pour, you know, just pours out of them. And some of them we can know a long time, and we don't even know ourselves what our spiritual gifts are. And so just recognize, I think there's, there's something about that, that gifts differ and vary in intensity. I even think we're going to experience gifts differently in different seasons as we, pursuing in, as we pursue serving in different ways. And gifts often grow. Gifts often seem to fade in effectiveness as we don't practice them. So, so how do we know what our spiritual gifts are? Because it's, it's not a chart. It's not an equation. right? We didn't get something upon conversion that told us what they were. At least I hope not because I was not given said chart. So I would um, really hoping that's not the case. right? So I think... We discover our gifts most effectively, not when we're actually obsessing over our gifts, but when we seek to follow the Lord and lean and seek after the Lord and to love his people. I think, I think what happens is this. We start serving with a people and filling the needs that, 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 are, that are in that community and, and particular burdens get, get put in our hearts the more we follow after the Lord and passion for something starts building and coming out and find more and more we're, we're just walking in a direction where our gifts and our burdens and our passions and our love of others, our love of others just seem to unite. See, as I think you... It's not an equation, but I just think there's, there's, there's definitely a relationship to between as we, as we seek to pour into the lives of others, God's design is that the, the, the gifts that he gives us begin to pour out of us. So in so many ways, I think the, the way we discover our spiritual gifts is by joining and serving a community of God's people. And, and, and just as we walk with God's people, we see the needs that are in that community, the burdens that, that are raised in that community, the, the prayers that we've been praying for that community, and, and just areas to serve. And there just seems to be this intersection where the spiritual gifts sort of seem to be in that area. And so and it's not just sort of you know, joining officially as a member, but, but I think it's, it's, it's being known within a community so people can, can actually know you beyond the surface and say, oh yeah, this is something that God really seemed to have given you. And I think it's taking the next step to know what are the actual needs within the community? What are the, what are the, what are the things? What, what are the things where, boy, there just seems to be these pinch points of, of ministry where something's not connecting. And may, maybe I'm seeing that for a reason because God intends for me to, to be able to be part of that. But I just think that's, that's, that's God's construction design in the building of his church to, to put people, sort of have people with needs and people who have gifts and sort of just merge them together. And they discover these as they walk closer and closer together. So I think we discover our gifts by more intensely and more intentionally pursuing community. I think we discover our gifts by praying and asking God, and I think seeing how he answers by opportunities in the community we're in. And very simply, I also think we discover our gifts by, by just asking others. I mean, I, I would encourage every care group and community group just to talk about what are, what are the gifts in this group? How have, how have you been blessed by the gifts of people in this room? I mean, how encouraging would that be? How much would that just make us grateful for Christ? If we were just able to talk about, man, here, here's gifts that I see here. Here's how I've been blessed by these gifts. Here's how I see it building up the body of Christ. All right, two more questions to ask. So I think this is question eight then if I've done my math, but two more questions. What is the purpose of the gifts? So we've already touched on this a little bit, but I want to draw attention to this one more time. 
So the purpose of the gifts is not to draw attention to us, but obviously to God. It's to build each other up. In short, the purpose of the gifts is this, to equip the church to carry out her mission until Jesus returns. It's to equip the church to carry out her mission until Jesus returns. So our mission as a church of multiplying and maturing followers of Jesus in our community and beyond is every member using their gifts to help build us up from within, to be able to help us each mature, and then to be able to connect beyond our community. And it requires not a few of us, but it requires all of us. So it is building up of the body of Christ. It's sending us on a mission. I mean, I think that's why we just always see all through Acts. People are filled, and then people are deployed, and the church is built again and again. People are filled, people are deployed, and the church is built, and repeat, and repeat, and repeat, and may it, so, may it be so here. But I also want to note just one other thing about, I think this is the beautiful purpose of the gifts. And I think the way that God's people and when Christians humbly and boldly pursue the Spirit and the gifts He uses in love, the way it just shines in the darkness. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree, all humanity was put in a curse. The world is under a curse. And that curse is why diseases happen and wars rage and marriage can be hard. It's why babies die. It's why we are separated from God. And it's why people, when they hear of the mercy of Jesus Christ, harden their hearts and turn away rather than run to his mercy. And it's why even in the church, even amongst God's people, there is at times disunity and selfishness and division and slander rather than sacrificial love. The curse destroys all it touches. And Jesus came and reversed the curse. All the curse touches, it destroys. All Jesus Christ touches is restored. And that's why in the ministry of Jesus, diseases were healed and the dead were raised and sins are forgiven and now glory awaits. It's not just, it's not just because he's merciful, it's because we, we see the visible just, we, we see it tangibly happen that the effect of the curse is becoming undone in Jesus Christ. And today we are living in the already and the not yet. The curse is already broken, but we are living in the land of the curse. We are not yet in glory. But do you see what happens when when you use your gifts in love, do you see God's design for what happens when you use your gifts in love? Do you see what happens when you pray and, and people are healed and you witness and people are saved and when you, when you use your words to encourage them, folks that live in just a sin-ravaged and destroying world and yet something you say encourages them and unity is protected and, 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 and that order is brought into, into the, in an area of the church where just we live in a world where chaos is, is all over but yet you're using your gifts in some ways to bring order and clarity clarity. What is happening? The grip of the curse is being pulled back and the kingdom of God is advancing. And it may seem, it, it may seem small in human eyes, but it is cosmically glorious. I, said, I, I hate the curse. 
And I hate what it brings. But His people, filled with His presence, using His gifts to build His church and to be on His mission, it declares the curse not for long. And world, this is not for long. Because God is advancing in the world because the curse breaker has conquered. And whether that be in ways that are spectacular to the human eye or in ways that seem very ordinary, whether that's leading to the preach, someone preaching to the multitude, or yet again, same folks patiently and loving, lovingly telling the smallest of sinners again and again about the curse breaker. Don't minimize and don't miss what God is doing through your gifts in love and the real purpose that the spiritual gifts serve. So final question is this, what now? So God has gifted all of us so we don't have to be bystanders but so that we can be participants in His saving mission. And it is life-giving, it is not life-draining to pour out of us what He has poured into us. So simply for all of us, I think the next question we just need to ask is, is, is what now? What's the next step for you as you think about pursuing the spiritual gifts? I think for some it's going to be pursuing community more and just taking that, that, that next level of just going a little bit deeper into community, being, being a little bit more known, knowing a little bit more. I think for some it's going to be asking and praying for specific gifts and where you have a burden and where you see a need, just praying for, for gifts in that area. I think there's going to be many people who, who just, I think they're, they're called just to encourage the gifts around them that they see and, and just to help others see, oh, here's, here's what God's doing. Here's what God's building. Here's, here's how the, the, the effects of the curse are being loosened right in our midst. I think for some, it's going to be pursuing what has felt dormant, but I think for all of us, for all of us, it starts not by looking inwardly, but by, by, by seeking God and by going to God and asking for his clarity and for his perspective and for more of him, I think it, 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 all of us, it starts with going to God confident that he loves to pour, to, to, to pour out more of himself on his people, that he loves to bring clarity, that he loves to bring gifts, that he loves to equip his people for his mission. So this morning, we wanna, we, I'm just gonna, I want to close our time in prayer. We're going to do something a, a little more unusual for us. We're, we're going to take time just, just to pray this morning. As I, after I close in prayer, we're just going to stay in our seats. I'm going to ask, maybe, maybe your prayer is that, God, would you show me my gifts? I, I don't know that I, I really see what you've given me, but I want to I see your gifts so I, can, so I can be more effective in what you're calling to. I think for some, it's going to be, Lord, help me to know, how do I take the next steps into community? I think there's going to be people here that just need to pray for faith, that God would, that, that, that God would show us how, how our gifts are actually being used in his mission I think for some, it would just be, be filled to be prayed with the Holy Spirit so that we can just freshly be aware of God's presence and God's power, that we can be freshly emboldened to be using these gifts in our mission. I think there's going to be others that need to repent of maybe just, in a sense, living sort of with a focus on ourselves rather than for others. But I think for all of us, we, we can pray that the gifts would be stirred up and that they would be used on our mission. So I'm going to close this in prayer and then just going to 
We're going to linger for a while, but I'm, I'm going to ask if Leo and Sue could come forward. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Dave and Diane, could, is Diane back here? Dave, could you come forward? Is she in the back? I'm going to ask these folks to come up. If you would like prayer for any reason at all, but particularly the, the things that we're talking about, we, we would love to pray with you. So we're going to stay up here for a while. So if you want to come up and pray, I think there's probably some people here that have it on their hearts to pray for somebody else in the room. I'm going to invite you to do that, to minister to someone else in this room and to just pray for one another. In a little while, CP will, will close us in response to one, with one more song. So Lord, I pray that as we think about the spiritual gifts, Lord, our our, our our primary focus would not be on ourself and not to be just doing a self-evaluation, but Lord, we would all long to see more of your gifts being deployed in our midst for the good of this people and for the sake of our mission so that we can go out so that others would, would hear the gospel, so that we would be faithful and bold proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ. So Lord, in all the confusion, all the ways that we can barely begin to address questions, Lord, where, where there's still lingering questions. Lord, I pray that you would bring clarity to them. But Lord, I pray that for each of us, you would just stir up our desire to see more of you at work in our midst, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I encourage you now just to take a, take a, few, moments, a few minutes just to pray in your seats, to pray for one another, and if we can pray for you for any reason at all to come forward and receive prayer. Thank you.